Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 13 recap, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, AppleRadio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. 26-20, Colts over the Houston Texans on the road, NRG Stadium, T.Y.'s home away from home as T.Y. goes up over 100 receiving yards for the first time since week 16 of 2018 against the New York Giants. It's been 22 games for T.Y. Hilton since his last 100-yard receiving game. So what better place than NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas for T.Y. to reclaim another 100-yard receiving performance he was great, especially in the first half of this game. 100 of his 110 receiving yards came in the first half, plus a touchdown. Seven of eight receptions came in the first half. And that's pretty much where all the Colts' offense came in this game, minus Jonathan Taylor in the fourth quarter of this game. The Colts scoring 24 points on offense in the first half, scoring zero points offensively in the second half. All our points in the second half of this game came off that Justin Houston Safety, and it was also the only point scored in the second half of this game, period, as our defense outscored both offenses in the second half. So this was a crazy game. It was a tale of two halves. You had 44 points scored in the first half, 24-20 at the half, 26-20 final, Justin Houston safety being the only point scored in the second half of this game for either team. So this was not the prettiest win of the year for the Indianapolis Colts, but a win is a win as we now improve to 8-4. We're right there in the thick of things. For not only a wild card spot, but also still competing to win the AFC South as the Titans get clobbered today by the Cleveland Browns. They hold that tiebreaker over us in AFC South record. But a win is a win. This was a huge win today for the Indianapolis Colts. And it came right down to the wire against J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, and the Houston Texans. Man, Luke, I'll tell you what, I, I, it's weird to feel negative after a win, and it's hard to feel negative after a win, so I'll take the win, but boy, we got lucky. That's that's all I can say. I thought the oh, the defense was outstanding in the second half, but I thought Reich was atrocious in this game, really just awful. I thought the offense, when it started playing well, he went to something else. It was almost like he was sabotaging the Colts. I, I, I don't know what to make of him, but... All in all, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's about winning. But I'll tell you what, man, I don't feel good about this game at all. They really had two guys, and they basically Watt damn near wrecked the game for us, and we couldn't stop Deshaun in the first half. It was – it's the weirdest I felt after a win in a long time. I, I don't feel like the Colts deserve to win at all. I thought that they just did not play they, – they, they were out, I thought they were outcoached. Point blank. And By an interim head coach. Yeah, by an inch. Yeah, it's. it's not, I mean, it's inexcusable. I, I, I listen. I thought the defense made the corrections and did what they usually do. They, they, you know. And I didn't think the defense was bad in the first half. People, I'm sure, will disagree and say we gave up 20 points. I thought the the pass rush was getting to Watson all the first half. They were in position. He's just so damn good, man. I, I have a whole new respect for him. He played outstanding today. He, the Colts were in his face all game long. He was slipping that, got yardage running. Throw, making throws down the field with no-name wide receivers. I mean, it, he, he was outstanding. I thought the defense was fine. They just – just John Watson just made plays. And sometimes you have to give credit where credit is due. And I just thought he was – he played outstanding. His numbers as far as touchdowns to interceptions don't look great. But when your receiving core is – I mean, basically, 
what, Kiki Kuti, Brandon Cooks, who missed half the game, and then some guy I've never heard of, Chris Hansen or Chris Henson or something like that, had 100 yards receiving. I mean, you got to give them credit. You know, I thought the Colts' defense in the second half buckled down and really, really started to get to him. And other than that last drive, I thought they were great. The offense just gave them no help. And Reich is at the forefront of that problem. Yep. So let's start off on a positive note, Jason. Let's get into the defense because they were brilliant in the second half of this game, shutting out the Texans for the second time in four weeks. We pitched a shutout defensively in the second half. You look at the last four games, we have given up 100 points in the first half and defensively only six points in the second half slash overtime. We also gave up a kick return touchdown on the onside kick to A.J. Brown against the Titans last week. But if you take that away, just defensively, we gave up 100 points over the last four games in the first half and second half in overtime, only six points, two field goals against the Titans last week. And then and even though they kind of went to a prevent offense and the Packers the week before that. So the defense has been spectacular in the second half. And to be honest, I didn't think they were that bad in the first half of this game like you just alluded to. And people are going to disagree with that. But when you look at the defense in the first half, it was a lot of just guys in the right spot not making plays. And most of that's a credit to Deshaun Watson and how great of a player and great of an athlete he is and just an incredible quarterback, a franchise quarterback. And there were so many times where we had him dead and he makes a move and he slips out of a tackle. He's super slippery and athletic and agile. And then he makes plays downfield and he has an incredible ability when he breaks a tackle or escapes a sack to keep his eyes downfield. And instead of maybe picking up two, three yards running the ball to be able to throw for 40, 50, 60 yards downfield. He's incredible in that way. His instincts, all that is off the charts. So I thought the defense schematically, like the way Eberflus schemed them up in the first half, I thought everybody was in position. We just weren't making plays. And then as the game went on, we made plays. We finished with five sacks, but there was relentless pressure. We easily could have had against an immobile quarterback. We could have had seven, nine, 11 sacks in this game because we put relentless pressure on the quarterback in terms of getting into the backfield. Kenny Moore had the great pick, and I thought the refs finally gave us one of those 50, I didn't even think it was a 50-50 call. I thought it was a an easy call to make, but we've come out on the wrong end of so many of those calls this year. Kenny Moore made a great play picking off that pass. Only Watson's sixth interception of the year, and he went about 250 passing attempts before that pick he threw a number of weeks ago. And then the safety from Justin Houston. Houston had three sacks. Buckner had two sacks. And, of course, the most important stat of the day, zero points allowed in the second half. This was yet another second-half masterpiece by Eberflus. And then, of course, at the end of the game, the fumbled snap, bad snap, they lose it, and then the Colts recover. I think it was Anthony Walker with the fumble recovery to nail down the victory for the Colts because this one felt like a loss as they were marching down the field there with under a minute to go. Yeah, it's about time we got some luck to go our way, man. I'm telling you, it's been, it seems like forever. We've, I mean, it's the refs, bad calls, 50-50 calls, 99-1 calls. Nothing seems to ever go right for us. We, we don't get a break on refs. We don't get a break on schedules. We don't get a break on anything. So the, the, to have something finally lucky happen to this team was great. I will take it. It's much better than losing, 
And, uh, you know, as far as the defense goes, you, you hit a lot of it on the head, Luke. I thought Flus absolutely schemed this up well. There was I counted four or five plays where we could have very easily had sacks on Watson in the first half. The, the guy is just – he's so elusive for a guy that size. And, his, like you said, his ability to keep – his eyes down the field and be accurate on the run and moving whatever, whether it's to his, you know, to the left or the right, he's accurate with his throws. And I mean, again, all you can do is put your players in position. They've got to make the plays and listen, he was just better than we were in the first half. He made the plays. We didn't get, we didn't make the plays, but we were in position to make them. We had uh interception that Walker dropped an interception that, that Rhodes dropped. Um, so you know, we were in position. I felt I felt good about our defense going into halftime. I, I'm always skeptical of our offense because we've had so many turds in the third quarter of the seat like of games this year. And, and of course they came out and just laid a fresh turd in the third quarter. I mean, Taylor had no yards rushing. I don't think he even had a carry. I don't know what Reich was doing in the third quarter. I mean, it just we'll get into the offense. I'm I'm going off Keister here off off on a tangent, but we'll get into the offense in a minute. But as far as the defense goes, they won the game for us. Point blank. They shut things down in the second half. They got the they got the the interception. They 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 got the fumble recovery. They got a safety. I mean, it really their defense was the difference in the game. If they if they don't come up the way they did in the second half, they don't come up play like they did, uh we're going home with a loss for sure. There's no question and just to give a great example of the defense being in the right position, Flus putting the guys in the right spots, and the defense just not making plays outside of all the sack opportunities, which I think are obvious. The best example would be the Xavier Rhodes dropped interception, which turns into a reception for the Texans, and then they end up kicking a field goal before the half. You couldn't have put your player in a better position than Flus put Xavier Rhodes and he played it perfectly everything was perfect up until the point where he goes for the pick he bats it in the air and the pass is caught by the Texans and then they end up kicking a field goal before the half so that's just a great example of the guys being in the right position and you figure eventually they're going to make plays because when you look at the trends of the Colts this year they make plays defensively in the second half and most of the time we don't really change that much in terms of scheme. We don't get that much more creative or do that much more in the second half. It's just really guys making plays, guys wrapping up, guys being more patient. That's what we saw. And then getting to Watson, a lot of it's just holding your ground, your spot, and actually making the play, which we weren't doing in the first half when we give up 20 points, and then we were doing in the second half when we hold them to zero. Yeah, and I thought, you know, the D-line was outstanding today. I thought they played their tails off. I thought they bounced back from a terrible game last week. Obviously, getting Buck back and and getting those guys back was huge. Definitely a a big-time performance from Houston today. Those guys were, I mean, really, I thought our defensive line was the difference in the game. They pressured Watson all game, uh, and I thought did a really outstanding job. I thought, you know, late in the game, I thought Kerry made a really, really bad decision trying to jump that route. You don't jump a route in that point of the game. You know, that led to that 40-yard Cooks reception that put us in a really, really bad spot. But aside from that, I thought our defense was really good enough. You know, they played well enough to win. The offense is, the, the offense is a whole other topic. But the defense definitely was played well enough to win. 
Yeah, they gave up some points in the first half, but I thought all in all, I mean, it was it was an outstanding job in the second half, and they kept us in the game. We found a way to win, and that's I mean, as much as I'm gonna you know really get on Reich in a minute here, uh, is, the bottom line is we won the game. That's what we take from it. We're eight and four. We're still in position to do what we want to do. Next week we have another must-win game. They're all must-wins, like Luke said earlier. But we had to have this game. If we didn't get that fumble or they they scored, I, I think our season's over. So this was a huge win. No matter how you slice it, and I thought the defense led the way, and I thought it was an outstanding job by Coach Flus. I think it did everything you want a defensive coordinator to do. He planned this thing up, schemed it up. We were ready to play. He had our guys in position to make plays. They didn't make them in the first half. They made them in the second half, and and just on the last play on the uh, on the fumble. Grover Stewart did an outstanding job on a stunt there to force Nick Nick Martin to rush and fumble the the snap, and that that really was the difference of the game. So kudos to Grover having a bounce back game this week. He played outstanding today and and made a big play at the end of the game that really sealed the win, saved our season, and now we look forward. We still got everything in front of us. So a big time win wasn't pretty, but you take it you take the win anyway and get it at this point. Nah, it's so true. You go into these games just hoping to win the game, and then you leave the game and things might not go your way for 60 minutes, and you have a sour taste in your mouth, but then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you forget about the game, and you look at the standings, and you just see a win. Instead of falling to 7-5, and five, you're sitting at 8-4. and 7-5, and five, the season is most likely over. With head-to-head losses and losing the tiebreaker, this would have been our third division loss, so the division's over. Now we're actually alive in the division, even though we lose the tiebreaker, because you could outright win it by a game now that we have the same record as the Titans. So that is still in play. We lose the tiebreaker, so you're not exactly where you'd like to be, but you're still in much better shape than if you were sitting at 7-5 and five with three AFC South losses, where you hope at best you could split with all three teams. And then we lost head-to-head with the Browns. We lost head-to-head with the Raiders. So if we had five losses right now, we would be in really bad shape. Maybe you could have one loss and then pray to get in at 10-6. and six, But this was a huge win for the Colts. So as much as the offense bothered us at times, especially in the second half, or pretty much only in the second half, and as annoying as Reich was in this game, we do win the game. So we're going to get real negative right now. But... We won the game, and that is all that matters because in the standings, we have a W, and we are sitting at 8-4 right now. So that is the positive. The defense in the second half was fantastic, but now you look at the offense in this game, and there were some really good things from the offense in this game, which makes the way Reich calls it that much more frustrating. It's just Reich not playing to guys' strengths, and it's Reich getting comfortable in certain situations and making week one mistakes now in week 13 with running back draws to our smallest sub 200 pound running back when we have Jonathan Taylor who's having a great game sitting on the bench and a lot of it just doesn't make sense you implement the whole new package with Jacoby Brissett he gets fourth and one like it's his job because that's essentially what his job is boiled down to this season he's under I think he has like a hundred percent success rate on fourth and one They can't stop him on 4th and 1. You have a 230-pound running back who's averaging 7 yards per carry in this game, and you go with your 196-pound back who was not having a good game on the ground, minus one play he bounced outside and scored a touchdown. And you look at Naheem Hines, 6 carries, 10 yards, 1.7 yards per carry. Jonathan Taylor, 13 carries, 91 yards, 7 
yards per carry. And it's so frustrating. And you just thank the Lord that the defense was able to hold up the way they were in the second half because they bailed Frank Reich's ass out big time in the second half. No question about it. At this point, Reich is what he is. He's going to be overly aggressive. He's going to make really bad short yardage decisions. He just keeps doing it. He's been doing it for years. I, I don't I don't think we have gone forward on fourth and one on a quarterback sneak when, when Jacoby just goes, you know, quarter full quarterback sneak. I, I don't think we've missed one all year. And I don't think they're they're they've even been particularly close. So on fourth and one, we get in the shotgun with Rivers and hand it off. I, I and then the other in the other fourth down I think we had we, we ran a reverse. I mean, yep. what are we do what are we doing? What are we doing? The guy's making eight million dollars. Let him do what he does best. The thing he does best is get behind that O-line and dig forward and then have your 230-pound running back push him. I mean, we saw a couple weeks ago, I forget what game it was, Luke, we had it. We had fourth and inches, and he gained seven yards on a quarterback sneak yep. because we pushed him for seven yards. Why are we basically turning a fourth and inches into a fourth and five by taking a shotgun snap? It boggles my mind. And you get away from T.Y. Hilton in the second half. And you get it. I mean, everything in the third quarter was just a disaster. He didn't help Chaz Green at all. Chaz Green is bad. There's no there's no getting around. He's horrible. He's probably worse than the Raven Clark. So why are we not helping him? No idea. He got no help. Very little help. I didn't see a lot of help. He was and he was he was getting his ass whipped by J.J. Watt and everybody pretty much that lined up in front of him. And Wright gave him no help. I don't. I don't put that on Chaz Green. I put that on. I'll put that on Frank Reich. He's got to help him. And he abandoned the run. At one point, we run the ball thirteen times and thrown it thirty-three times. And this is against the worst rush defense in the league. In the third quarter, we come out. We're throwing. Run the ball. Run the ball. Instead, we get sacked. We get we we get penalties. We because we're trying to throw and we're holding and we're doing all these things. Sometimes. He just needs to do what works. He's trying to outsmart everyone, and I frankly, it's embarrassing. He got outcoached in this game. Cornell outcoached him, especially in the second half. That and that's that's embarrassing. Cornell's a good coach. He's a good defensive coach, but Frank, I mean, he's got to do better. This is, I mean, he's he's basically making Flus bail his ass out in a lot of these games, and it's getting really old because Flus is going to be gone at the end of the year. He ain't going to be here to bail your ass out next year. So. I mean, at this point, he is what he is, man. We've had him for, what, three years? He's yep. still doing the same shit he did in the first year. He's not learning. I'm tired of, 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 of him going for it on fourth and one with these dive plays and saying, oh, well, you know, I was going to go for it there, and I felt great about the call. Why do you feel great about that call? Why do you feel great about a, a dive play on fourth and one and you're lined up in a shotgun with Rivers in the game? Why Why do you feel great about yep. that? It never works. And then, works. Jason, after the game – he says all three running backs are interchangeable. Yeah, but different backs have different bodies and different skill sets, and you need to use them accordingly. You also need to play the hot hand. You have to know who's going and who's having their day. We saw the first matchup with the Titans. That was Naheem Hines' day because we ran outside because they have great defensive tackles. They're weak on the edges. We were bouncing outside. He had a great day outside the tackles. In this game, we're running the ball up the middle, and we have Taylor who's putting together a career day in terms of yards per carry, seven yards per carry, and you get away from that, and you have Rivers in the game, and you have Rivers in the shotgun, so now you're making yourself so one-dimensional. The entire state of Texas 
knew that the Nahim Hines inside draw was coming. Everybody and their mother knew what was coming, and you just you project it. You make it so transparent that the defense is going to be ready for it. So people are like, oh, Trey Burton missed an assignment. Well, yeah, guys missed assignments, but that's because everybody in the world knew the call. You basically called up Romeo and you said, this is like the Chuck days. What, do you think I'm just going to pick up the phone and call Mikey and say, hey, Mikey, we're going to... That's exactly what you did. You told everybody on the Houston Texans D-line in the front seven and the coaching staff what you were going to run. Jacoby's been fantastic in his short yardage situations. Bring him into the game and put him under center. He doesn't need to keep it, but at least now you keep the defense honest because they think, okay, there's an option here that Jacoby keeps it up the middle. And when he keeps it up the middle... His success rate is 100% this year, and it's 90% over the last two years, so we need to play for that. And then maybe you do something else, but at least there's multiple options there. With Rivers and the shotgun, there's really only one thing you're going to do on 4th and 1, and you telegraph it to the entire state of Texas. Dude, if I had a choice between taking the points or running that play, just give me the points. I mean, honestly, that's what I feel like at this point. I feel like that's the play he's going to call in that situation. If Rivers is in the game, it's fourth and one, that's the play he's going to call 99% of the time. Give me the points. Yep. I don't care if it's a yard or not. Or, because- or, Jason, if Rivers is in the game, spread it out so at least they have to play for the pass. You let them load the box with Rivers in the game and with Hines in the backfield. So you let them load the box against your smallest running back with your immobile quarterback. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. There's literally, I, I could think of 25 play calls that I would run before that play. And he just doesn't learn. He literally probably cost us the, the, the division doing this in Jacksonville. Yep. If we don't do that in Jacksonville and we just run a sneak, we win that game and we're 9-3 and three in and front in our division. But instead, he doesn't. He runs the Heinz play that he runs today, the same play, and it probably is going to cost us the division. I don't know for sure, but that game seems like it's going to haunt us in the end. And now today, he it would have been two games. He would have lost us two games with that one play call. Yep. The same play call in two games. He doesn't learn, Luke. It's like watching Chuck. Chuck never learned. He's not as bad. I'm not saying he's as bad as Chuck, but Chuck was like that. He would never – it just never adjusted. Frank is not adjusting, and it's starting to scare me. Yep. He's doing the same things over and over and over. And just to show you how inept our offense was in the second half, we had all a halftime to prepare a game plan or you know tweak our offensive game plan for the second half or just stick to whatever we were doing. We come out, we go down the field, we get we get a holding call that that you know we don't do anything on that drive. We get no points. After that, we get an interception, three and out. After that, we get a safety, get the ball back. Three and out. Our defense gave the ball the back to the offense twice. They had six plays for negative yards. That's all you need to know. Yep. Our defense outscored both offenses in the second half. That is an incredible, incredible stat. Both offenses in the second half. And also, Jason, another big issue I have with Reich, and we just talked about it right before we came on, Reich treats every player as if they're the same. And you can't do that. You can't treat 
LaRaven Clark and Chaz Green as if they're Anthony Costanzo. And this is a big problem I have with him. And it was the same thing last year with Jacoby as your starting quarterback. It was the same thing with Adam Vinatieri as your kicker. You need to know who you're working with. And you can't, like, I like the fact that he has confidence in his players and stuff. But we've seen Iberflus defensively cater to weaknesses okay in this game you know we're down this corner whatever we're down this guy we're going to adjust to the weakness of this player okay without okariki we're gonna have walker in coverage all game we're gonna have to do this to help him out offensively okay Chaz green plug and play for larry clark who we plugged and played for anthony costanzo you're all the same player we're gonna go out there we're gonna do everything the same it doesn't work like that you need to be more like bill belichick who understands okay this guy is just not as good as this guy that's life you can't run the same offense with jacoby as you ran with andrew luck as you ran with philip rivers as you ran you can't do that it doesn't work different guys have different strengths different weaknesses and it, it goes into the fourth and one call you can't call that to Hines as if he's Jonathan Taylor, and you can't have Rivers in the game as if he's Jacoby Brissett. It doesn't work. You need to play to the strengths of your players, or if you have a player with no strengths, like Chaz Green, you need to compensate, and you need to help him out, and you have to have one of your three good blocking tight ends, because we have three tight ends that can block. There's no Eric Ebron's on this offense, and you need to keep him on that side, and you need to help, and you need to chip all game long, especially when... They're matching up J.J. Watt one-on-one with your weakest link on your offensive line. That can't happen because at the end of the day, and I'm sorry to say it, but not every player is created equally. Not every player is as equally talented or as equally naturally gifted or as equally strong or tall or whatever. So you need to adjust, and Reich just doesn't. And then after the game, he basically says, oh, well, we have confidence in him. Well, your confidence only goes so far when your guy is not good enough to get the job done. I mean, it's ridiculous, Luke. I, I mean, listen, you, 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 got, you have got to help the guy. I don't blame Chaz Green at all. He did the best he could. I thought he was okay. I mean, he, was, he, I mean, he, was, he struggled. I'll just say that. But he got no help. He didn't get any help from the coaching staff. He didn't get any help, really, from the tight end. I mean, it's just – I don't have words for it. I, don't, I just don't understand how you think – your third string left tackle is going to block JJ Watt by himself. It's just unbelievable. I mean, and JJ Watt damn near wrecked the game for us in the second half. I mean, he, was, he had to have at least three or four tackles for a loss, two sacks. I mean, he was killing us. And I mean, to not adjust to that is mind-numbingly stupid, and at the very least, insanely stubborn by Frank Reich. And his rigidity is really starting to drive me crazy, especially when you consider. He's been doing this for three years. He's not – it's not getting better. Like, I don't understand. Like, do you think we are just going to go through every season with our offensive line playing every game healthy? Because that's not, that's not reality. That's not the NFL. So you're going to have to play backups. And guess what? There's a reason they're backups. You're yep. the head coach. You know why these guys are backups. Otherwise, they'd be starting. And, so Jason, remember in the game preview when you were like at least – for and you could say this about the Raven Clark or Chaz Green. We knew one of them was going to start. We knew that it wasn't going to be Anthony Costanzo. And yeah, in terms of the going. yeah, in, in terms of the coaching, at least, like maybe Chaz Green didn't know he was going to play. But if you're Frank Reich, you knew all week. 
that you were going to have a problem on the left side of the offensive line. You knew, whether it was Chaz Green or Laredo Clark, that you were going to have a matchup nightmare and you were going to need to help. So this isn't last week where you have a game plan to plan for Anthony Costanzo and he does his thing and you don't need to help him out and, you know, smooth sailing. This wasn't a mid-game injury. You had all week to prepare. And I don't care if it's Clark or Green. Either way, it's a major downgrade from Costanzo. And you go into the game without any plan to help him out? You're right, man. I was 100% wrong on that. I thought they would be – I thought he would handle that totally different. I guess it was wishful thinking on my part because he absolutely did not do anything really different. Uh, it's – Luke, I'll tell you what, man, it's very frustrating. For a guy as smart as Reich, he does some really, really stupid things. And then that was just, I mean, to go in the game with that as your plan is just, I don't even have words for it. It's just frustrating. And it's not going to get any better. AC's not going to magically come back, I don't think, next week. I think it's probably going to be two to four weeks. So, at the very least, we're going to see this another week in probably our biggest game to date of the season. Well, I don't know if it's the biggest game, but it's a big-ass yeah. game. They're we all kind of the same at this point. Like, today's game, tomorrow, next week's game, the week after that, these three games are all pretty much equal. I mean, the, and, the, the tiebreaker part's the huge part with the Raiders. Yeah. But the Raiders are falling apart. They looked awful last week against – and, of course, you can't you know, you know, can't think like that, and you have to go into the game, and you have to be ready to, to play them at their best, and they beat us last year. But last week, they gave up 40 points, and they got smacked by the Falcons. And then this week – they should have lost that game to the Jets, and the Jets tanked their way to a loss for Trevor Lawrence, and they had one-on-one with Henry Ruggs, ball cover at midfield. Zero. <laughs> cover he ran, zero. He ran cover zero. <laughs> Yo, Adam <laughs> Gaze, dude, Adam Gaze is, <laughs> he's clearly at this point tanking. It's the most yeah. obvious tank I've ever seen in my life. It is ridiculous. But the point, the point, no, no, well, just the point at the end of the day is despite, you know, what the Jets are doing, the Raiders right now are not playing their best football because I don't care what the Jets did, the final play of the game, they are a terrible football team and the Raiders played them right down to the wire and then needed the Jets to lay down at the end to actually hold on to beat them or not even hold on, but to come from behind to beat them, and then last week they gave up 40 points to a Falcons team who's obviously going to miss the playoffs, and they're on an interim head coach. So when you look at the Raiders in the most meaningful games of the year for all these teams, they're playing their worst football. I'm not saying the Colts right now are playing our best football, but I don't think we're playing as poorly as the Raiders have been their last two weeks because they played two terrible teams. And when you look at least at the last month for the Colts, beat the Titans on the road short week, Thursday night football in Tennessee beat the Packers at home. That's a great win in overtime last week. We lose, but that's a tough game and it's three straight weeks against teams with 700 plus winning percentages. And then today tough game against a division opponent on the road in Houston with a great franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So we're not playing our best football, but we're definitely playing better football right now than the Raiders not to get off track and off target, but we are playing a Raider team next week who has been struggling the last two weeks, to say the least. 
Yeah, that's true. And, and listen, we're, we're not playing great either, though, Luke. I mean, obviously, I mean, you look at today's game. The, pe- the penalties, really, the last three games killed us. I mean, Hines had two big-time plays in this game that were nullified by penalties that would have really helped our offense. And, I mean, we, we, we're just killing ourselves with penalties, holding penalties. I mean, Pittman had two plays where he, li- he was – what was he offsides? Two plays where he's offsides. We had Chaz Green line up off the line one time or on the line. He wasn't off the line. I mean, there's just you know, we, we these are just stupid like per, like alignment penalties. You can't get alignment penalties. I mean, and we're getting alignment penalties and holding penalties, and you know, it just it, it just piles up and it makes it and it's like we talk always talk about this in pregame when we're playing a bad team or a team with a bad record or whatever. The only way those teams can beat you is if you help them. And we really did help Houston today by calling a horrible offensive game in the second half and also with just ridiculous, ridiculous penalties all game long on offense, on defense, on special teams. It doesn't matter. The penalties have got to get cleaned up, and they have to get cleaned up immediately. We can't have this happen next week when we go to Vegas. We, we lucky, luckily got a win today. But, man, I mean, it was by the skin of our teeth, a great play by Grover at the end. But, man, those those two big special teams plays by Hines were nullified by holding calls, and you just can't have that. You just cannot have those penalties. They are killers. Yeah, you can't have it. You're taking points off the board. You're backing yourself up 60 yards on the other one. It's inexcusable. It can't happen. And then at the end of the game, we're trying to run the clock out, and there's holds and guys lining up off sides and illegal motion. It can't happen i couldn't have said it any better jason and then on the flip side what about that call the non-pass interference call against ty how in the world did they not throw a flag on that one because i'm not saying the calls against the colts were bad but come on fair it's fair ty got pushed clearly well before the ball arrived it was a catchable ball and it's just the way this season's been going for the colts and i hate to bitch about officiating and today was really just that one call but And the Walker call was bad, too. I thought that hold on Walker was a weak call on the third down right before the half or in the first half. They end up scoring a touchdown there. So that's yep. plus four points on the hold. And then we end up punting because of the TY play. That would have brought up a first down. Instead, it's third and long. And then we have to end up punting. So let's say we go down and kick a field goal there. That's a seven-point turnaround from the ticky-tack holding call against Anthony Walker. And then the blatantly obvious missed pass interference call for T.Y. on second down. So just the inconsistency there with the officiating. Thank God they got that Kenny Moore interception correct because the receiver was did not maintain possession of the ball. The ball was clearly moving on the way to the ground. The ball never hit the ground, and Kenny Moore got up with possession. So obviously it was Colts' ball. So thank God they got that call right. And then also, shout-out T.Y. T.Y., homecoming party, NRG Stadium. That is his home away from home. He's fantastic when we play there. It's been 22 games since T.Y.'s last 100-yard receiving game. You have to go back to week 16 of 2018 when Andrew Luck was still our quarterback. So we go the entire year with Jacoby. We go 11 and now the 12th start for Phillip Rivers. And T.Y. finally, and there's been injuries and games missed, in that span, finally gets his next 100-yard receiving game. So you have to go back to the Giants week 16 of 2018. It's been 22 games. He had 100 at half and then one reception for 10 yards in the second half, and he's found the end zone two games in a row. So last week I remember saying that 
the best thing Reich did was get T.Y. a taste of the end zone before playing the Texans because you know going to NRG, he's going to have a party as he did today, a little homecoming party for T.Y. Hill, and they were down their top cover corner. He took advantage 100 yards in the first half, and then unfortunately we just kind of stopped going to him after the first drive of the second half. And then also on a positive note, Jonathan Taylor was spectacular. We talked about the run game, and we also said against the Packers, he was starting to find his groove in the NFL. Yeah, he had 100 yards in week two this year, but I think he had that on 20-something carries, and it was a lot of three yards, four yards, just you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. 13 carries, 91 yards in this game, averaging seven yards per carry, plus the big touchdown reception, a 39-yard catch and run on fourth down from Phillip Rivers. So Taylor spectacular, T.Y. spectacular in this game, even though the offense, we had plenty of issues with them and plenty of issues with Frank Reich. And to give Reich a little bit of credit, that fourth down call after a terrible third down call, the fourth down call to Taylor was a fantastic call. But Taylor and T.Y., great games offensively. Yeah, I, the thing about Taylor is I really, if you go back and watch the tape, I'm sure you're going to see this, but I, he's really starting to develop some patience. He's really looking for that cutback lane. He's finding the holes. He's starting to juke guys, starting to break tackles. He's starting to get into a groove. He he, he got in that COVID situation at the worst possible time because we could have really used him against Tennessee. But he's 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 starting to figure it out. You can tell it's coming. They got to get him more touches. I think he's really starting to make make his presence felt. And I we need him down the stretch. And, and he Reich has got to be more. He's got to be more devoted to giving him the ball. He he's he cannot get away from it. Like our offense is so much more efficient when we're doing both, especially yep. when you have a left tackle that can't block and you're not helping him. So you need to be able to run the ball. And he just I don't know what it is. He just in the third quarter like it's like he let like like a toddler call the game or something or let like one of the cheerleaders call. I, I have no idea what happened there, but I want to see Taylor get more touches in in the Raiders game. He's definitely got gotten better at catching the ball out of the backfield he's he's the most you know elusive and electric i think out of the backfield i think he's he's not more elusive i shouldn't say that but he's definitely the fastest i think of our running backs out of the backfield and he's big and he's he's starting to you know learn how to pick up blitzes and all that stuff so i think it's all coming together i think frank needs to start giving him a little bit more of a role in this offense let him carry the ball 20 times you know like let, let's let's give some of those Heinz carries to Taylor and let's let's see if we can get that because I'm telling you he's really close to busting a 70-yard touchdown run he's close you just got to keep giving him the ball and trust that he's gonna you know he's gonna get it done I, I really think he he's coming into his zone I think we're seeing it he's also going against some bad defenses against the run so we have to say that as well it's not like he's going against Pittsburgh or, or somebody like that but that said, he does look a lot better. And I think going forward, seeing T.Y. have a breakout game and see Taylor continue to improve, I think are two big things for our offense. But again, with, with me, you and I, Luke, we've stressed this over and over again. It's about Reich putting the players in the best position to su succeed, the best places to accentuate their strengths as players. All players are not created equal. Taylor has different strengths than Hines. Hines has different strengths than Wilkins. T.Y. has different strengths than Pittman. It's, they're just different players. So you've got to put them in positions to succeed. I still don't think he's doing that enough. And that's really holding this offense back. It's the reason why we continue to have 
fits and spurts of great offensive football or a, a half where we play incredible and then a half where we don't show up. It's, it's because he's just not consistently putting these players in position to succeed. And that begins and ends with him because he's really the one running this offense. Yep. I totally agree. And you know what time it is, Jason. It's time for our For the Culture player of the game. Yeah, for me, I'm going with T.Y. this week. I, I mean, he's really struggled this year as far as being able to to make big plays, and he struggled early on with drops. He had a drop today, but other than that, I thought he was outstanding. He has to basically deal with the corners mauling him and not getting called on a week-to-week basis. It's gone on all year. We've seen it. I mean, the Cincinnati game, the Minnesota game, you can go on and on. He, he's been getting mauled. He got mauled again today, and he still had seven or eight catches for over 100 yards. I, I thought he was outstanding today, really got our offense going in the first half, helped us get 24 points, and really that was the difference in the game, that first half of offense. And he was a big part of that. I think he could be big down the stretch. So, for me, my player of the game is definitely T.Y. Hilton. He came up big in his home away from home at NRG Stadium. Yes, he did. Fantastic selection, Jason. If I went first, I might have taken T.Y., but I'm going to go defense. The defense won this game for the Colts in the second half, and it's really difficult for me to choose between DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston. You have the captain, the vet, Justin Houston, with a three-sack game, and you have DeForest Buckner with a two-sack game. You have Houston with the safety, which outscored both offenses in the second half, so it's a tough one for me. Between those two guys, because they both played so well, I think in terms of value, you have to give it to Buckner because he just got a push on pretty much every play. And I think you could say all five sacks are his doing because his presence was clearly felt. And we knew we missed him last week. And I think we saw that this week. So any Titans fan saying, oh, all you guys do is make excuses and complain. Well, you just see the difference with and without him on the field. Not just in the run game, but in the pass game as well because he pushes the pocket and he gives the defensive ends an opportunity to get back there, but I'm going to go with Justin Houston. This guy has four and a half sacks coming into the game, three sacks in this game alone. He's up to seven and a half on the season, and it's definitely in play for him to get back. He's what, two and a half away now, back to double digit sacks for the second year in a row in Indianapolis, two year deal, 11 sacks last year, seven and a half this year, 18 and a half sacks in what 27 games 28 games for Justin Houston in Indianapolis has definitely lived up to that two-year contract very happy with the veteran presence he brings and the leadership and the accountability and everything that Justin Houston brings to the table I feel like he's forgotten a little bit very grateful for the performance he put together the motor never stops with Houston and then he also had a huge play in the run game or at least with Deshaun Watson escaping the pocket and he gets him for a one or a two yard gain if he's not there to make that play from behind and make that shoestring tackle I think Deshaun Watson could have easily a 12 to 18 yard gain on that play so it's a toss-up because Buckner was so damn good so damn valuable in the middle of that line and other guys as well, like I thought Stewart was really good. He had a bounce-back game, and he had arguably the play of the game with that stunt there at the end, forcing that bad snap. But I'm going Justin Houston. Three sacks, a big run stop there on Watson, and then the sack safety, which were the only points we saw in the second half of this game for both teams. Yeah, that was a great pull right there, Luke, on that on that play where, where Watson got outside the pocket. The three sacks were great, and the safety was great. But I, that's an example of one of the things I think that people – 
sleep on with, with Houston is his effort. That play you're talking about where he ran him down from behind and got him, I, it was basically a shoestring tackle, but it's a tackle nonetheless and probably saved 20 yards. That's the kind of thing that goes back to the, the coach that we have on defense. He preaches and stresses effort, high effort all the time. And it shows up when you really watch the game. It shows up. You saw that play that Houston made. That's all-out effort. He's caught, and a lot of guys would slow up or whatever. Another example was when Tavon Wilson ran down Kuti at the uh, after on that big play in the first half when when Deshaun got free and threw like that sixty yard past him and he's running down the field. Tavon Wilson never gave up on the play and chased him down from behind. Those, I mean, they ended up scoring on the next play, so it didn't really make that big of a difference. But my point is, Flus preaches effort, and you see this stuff from these guys and even the older guys. I and mean, you see a guy like Houston, the way he plays is, and he plays so damn hard. I have so much respect for our coach. I have so much respect for our players. No matter what, they they generally give you everything they've got and they leave it all out on the field and I thought Justin Houston did that today that's an outstanding pick for for your player of the game Luke and I thought he was great today man I was proud of him his effort is something to really be applauded and the way he plays for his age is is outstanding and his effort is uh second to none just a great job by him and a great pull by you on that play to recall that play because that was a big time play that he made when he chased him down and saved at least a 20-yard gain Thanks, Jason. And also, Kenny Moore, to go to your point about guys playing through, playing through the whistle, Tavon Wilson did it. And then also, Wilson did it on that almost pick. It clearly hit the ground and it was overturned. But the pick he almost had when Xavier Rhodes batted the ball away, the effort there. A lot of guys would just kind of be jogging towards the goal line. I'm not part of this play. He was sprinting towards the goal line. Ball gets batted. He almost comes up with a pick. He almost like he was very very close to picking that pass off. He didn't, but it just goes into the effort. And then, and I'm glad he got an opportunity because it sucks not to have Kari Willis out there. But Wilson's made some big plays late in games, and his motor's always running. He comes into a game, Colts are up 20 points, game's over, a minute left. He's always playing hard, and I love that about him. And when you see guys do that in garbage time, and they really really play hard, it's great to see them get opportunities like he's gotten in this game and might get again next week if Willis isn't ready yet. And I just also wanted to say Kenny Moore, that play on that interception, a lot of guys might just go for the tackle, but he's fighting and ripping that ball all the way to the ground and he comes up with an interception. If you're just playing to get your man to the ground and you're not going for the ball there and you're not playing through the play and you're just playing, okay, I gave up the reception, let me make the tackle, you're not coming up with that interception there. So it's just another example and there were so many throughout the course of this game of the Colts. And Kenny Moore was great right before the half, keeping him out of the end zone. He made two plays in the end zone, and then he makes that pick. He had a great game today as well. He's definitely an honorable mention for, for the culture player of the game. But just so many guys, especially defensively, playing through the whistle and making plays and showing their heart and their hustle from whistle to whistle. Yeah, one other thing I want to mention before we before we sign off, brothers. How, how great is it to get this win for Rigoberto Sanchez? Huge. I mean, let's let's take let's take that ball back to Indy and give that to him. That give him give him that game ball, man. That that was. I mean, that was what I was thinking about. We can't lose this game. We gotta find a way to win this game. This is this is his this is his game, man. We gotta get this win for the team for Rigo. 
I'm so happy we won this game. I don't give a shit how ugly it was or whatever. A win is a win. I hope Wright takes that ball back and gives it to, to Rigo because he is a big part of this team. Yeah, punters, people say punters or whatever aren't important or punters aren't really a big part of the locker room. This guy's loved in our locker room. He's a great person, a great guy off the field. It's a shame he's going through the, through this at such a young age. It's a shame that, you know, it happened during the season. It's all, it's all bad. But this guy, you know, as far as the surgery goes, everything is looking good as far as that goes and uh, he's got a great attitude he's a good person he's an outstanding punter I just wanted to mention him I think it would be I'd be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge him and say hey man we're we're, pr- we're, we're praying for you we got that W we're gonna bring you back that game ball and uh, man just get well soon we're all thinking of you hopefully you can come back this season but if not you know that's all right too we love you we got the win let's get to the playoffs well said, Jason. Very, very, very well said. And he was on his couch, and he was rooting for the Colts, and he put up some videos, or his girlfriend put up some videos on Twitter. So he was there rooting for the team, and the team was definitely playing for him. Game ball, I agree with you, Jason. He might not be the For the Culture player of the game, but the For the Culture game ball goes to Rigoberto Sanchez as we're all continuing to think about him and pray for him as he goes through everything he's going through with the cancerous tumor, which was removed. The surgery was successful, and can't wait to see him back out on the field ASAP. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Ugly one, bumpy one, but at the end of the day, a win is a win, and this was a much-needed, must-win game for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll be back on Thursday with our Colts-Raiders game preview week 14, a huge game and another must-win game for the Colts in Vegas, our first-ever trip to Vegas to take on the Las Vegas Raiders, right here on the Fourth Culture Podcast.